airing the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for joining us. And not just today, but all week long. Like, mm-hmm. thank you so much for tuning in and and uh, trekking with us as we talk about the issues of the day and, and filter that through a decidedly biblical worldview. We don't apologize for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it means so much that you're willing to tune in and to share the podcast and, and to engage with us, um, message us, and all of those things that you're doing on a regular basis. We appreciate mm-hmm. it. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B. is over in Studio CC. Mm-hmm. I think we'll try to get the phone lines opened a little bit earlier uh, today um, and kind of fold in some of our listener calls with just a quick recap, you know, because okay. we already kind of had a midweek recap. Remember, we, we did yeah. on Tuesday. We yeah. did something that was not normal for right, us, right. you know, and so um I got to tell you, it really served to deal with a lot of my guilt about the phone lines. Like, I I mean, I, I felt really good after Tuesday. Like, I was, I was no guilt. Um, but I do want to interact with our listeners because I think sometimes um, when we get to hear from our listeners, mm-hmm. there is a conversation that is sparked that is ongoing, at least for us and our family. You know, we yeah. continue to talk about some of the things that are brought up. And uh, in particular, one of the things that we want to double back to and I don't know. I'm I'm thinking about this, and I didn't even mention it to you, Will the Great. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's on the right. air, publicly, always a great place to do it. <laughs> but I thought about, you know, maybe turning our focus specifically on Friday to the family dynamic, maybe talking a little bit more about that mm-hmm. and um, sharing some of those pitfalls. We have done that a lot over the years. Mm-hmm. And I think for you and I, it kind of feels like people already know that, like as far as about right. us, you know. But this is still a fairly new audience for us yeah. um, from the morning show so yeah. some of it might be worth revisiting when talking about our dynamic our mm. family structure mm-hmm. the things that the lord has really taught us about one another mm-hmm. and our roles and responsibilities yeah and um anyway i was i was thinking about this because of the question that we got from a brother who asked about submission on mm. friday mm. And that's always a great topic and, and even <laughs> he himself said you know when i when i venture into this it gets a lot of you know gets a lot of question yeah. and yeah. there's a lot of debate and and I can understand where it comes from like let's not pretend that that's not one of those topics that because of our cultural climate yeah um it's controversial it's not supposed to be right right it's really not supposed to be so we're going to talk a little bit about that take a look at Ephesians chapter 5 uh Colossians chapter 3 first Peter chapter 3 and also I think Ephesians chapter 4 will play a role in that um so so anyway we'll look forward to doing that mm-hmm. um also, there was a caller yesterday mm-hmm. who didn't get through, but had a question that um, they actually shared, or he or she, I'm not sure. He, actually, I think, he, yeah, I he, he, yeah. Okay, shared with Sherry B. And so then she shared it with us after the show. And the question was because we were talking about um, places of worship and restrictions surrounding right. places of worship. And the question was have mosques endured the same type of restrictions? 
And I thought that was a really great question. And so I'm glad that I didn't um, have to respond to that just off the top of my head. But I did do a little bit of research just to kind of look into it. And from what I have found, um, it seems that mosques were uh, meeting via Zoom as well, that there were all across the country. Now, there was some information that was circulating on Facebook that said that mosques were still being, quote unquote, allowed to meet. Mm -hmm. Um, But that just isn't true. The Mm. restrictions that were put on places of worship were kind of spread across the board. They were put on places of worship. Um, In fact, back in April, um, there was the discussion, and I was just looking at a few stories about what um, Ramadan would look like for Mm -hmm. practicing Muslims and um, that the the ending of that would be uh, different from how it normally is because people are staying home, staying inside. And uh, now I'll say what's interesting is that some of the stories that I read and then I watched a news interview mm-hmm. um, was that the this particular Muslim was saying, no, we're, we, we're fine. We're going to just stay at home and pray at home and, and that'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that for the Christian, you know, if we're doing a comparison here, um, the gathering and the meeting together of the body of Christ is not something that we just check in and out of based on a mandate. So, yeah. you know, that's, I don't know that's, if that's, that's, if that's, that's helpful That's or not. very interesting um, what, you're, what you're saying right now because, you know, I didn't, I didn't know, you know, when that, when that question came up, I didn't know the answer to that either. But yeah. hearing, hearing your research and what you said about that, it's, that's interesting to me. I mean, that's you know? what I see. But, now, of course, you know, you got to dig down deep to, but, you know, but go ahead. But I wonder, you know, uh, would people even make a, a, a suggestion that, you know what if they would even tell a mosque that they can't gather like maybe it's not an issue because the the <laughs> the people in the mosque said we we're just going to not meet mm-hmm. but i don't think there would be but this hard not, line yeah <laughs> like you know I, that's just Listen, my opinion maybe i'm wrong on well, that but i, I wonder would there be like this you know you guys we we're coming with fines and maybe jail time you know I don't think so, <laughs> you, know, I, you know, and let's, know. you know, everybody's all want to, you know, want to be coy about it. I don't think so. And part of the thing that I would look at would be even the way, like, if you think about this, you don't have these same types of obstacles or these challenges that are presented to Muslim businesses um, for any other reason. You understand what I'm saying? Like yeah, any other sure. religious conviction that uh, Muslims hold in this country, those seem to be. I mean, let's just say it frankly, it seems that those get protected out of fear. You know what I mean? Like there's just a fear of retaliation because Christians, mm -hmm. you know, generally speaking, are not going to physically retaliate when their freedom to exercise their religion is compromised. There's not going to be a physical retaliation. But I think that based on what we have seen come from some practicing Muslims is that there is the at the ready to retaliate and bring physical harm if there is a threat. And sometimes, honestly, look, even if there's not a threat. So it's but it's um, interesting to me this whole this whole thing because now I'm wondering and I, you know and I'm not asking you. But Okay. <laughs> but I'm wondering <laughs> Thank you for that. is there something in their writings that would say that they're supposed to obey? Like I wonder if they're doing it based upon something that like they believe. Like if there's a call in the Quran, in the Quran to meet. or is yeah, it I don't you know, know uh just because of of safety? You know, yeah. because if it's if, if it's because of something uh, in, in in the Quran, I, I just I don't know. It's interesting to me, you know, because like you said, you don't usually see anything else um, under this uh, like this type of situation where it's like they're told that you can't do this. You can't do mm-hmm. that. You know, 
And I wonder if the whole thing is just kind of settled because Muslims are saying we're just not going to go. But if mm-hmm. it, but if they had something in their book that said, you know, don't forsake the gathering together, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I wonder would there be an outcry from the government or, you know, just mayors or whatever saying purely no, you got speculative, gotta. purely, purely speculative. <laughs> Um, but survey says, at least a survey that happens in my mind, survey says no. Like I just, I, I really, you know, and, and I think I, I actually see that as a weakness in America, but I, I, I don't think I don't. And I, you know, that may be unfair. I don't mean it to be unfair, but, um, I don't, yeah. I don't, That's interesting. you know, I don't. Okay. Yeah. So right. anyway, to that question, I thought that was a great question. It was a great and, question. And I think it's it was. a question to, you know, to have us kind of thinking about in our mind. Yeah. But I will say this, that for the believer, no matter what anybody else is doing, our allegiance is to the Lord Amen. and our submission is to the scriptures. Amen. Right. So we are submitting to the Lord. He's the God of the scriptures. The word of God is breathed out by God. Mm-hmm. And um, we were talking with our kids recently about how that is a consistent theme. In fact, as we had um, finished up the book of Acts and, mm-hmm. and we're looking back on that, um, whenever there was a reference to an Old Testament sort of um, th- this, uh, allu- uh, when, whenever there's the allusion back to an Old Testament reference, um, Luke includes that the person speaking says when the spirit was saying through this person. Yes. Yes. And, and, and that was another one of those things where our kids are like, the light bulb goes off. It's like, ding, all right. scriptures breathed out by God, <laughs> even the Old Testament. Yeah. All even the it. Old Testament. All. Man. <laughs> and so anyway, I mean, it's just, you know, so we don't take that for granted. We don't take that lightly. And I think that that's got to be every Christian in America's um, faith and claim that yeah. what the word of God says is sufficient. And we submit to that. Now, what that looks like, you know, what that looks like, I'm not saying that it has to be that we meet in mega churches. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that. And, and I, I, you know, I don't know that there are Christians who are suggesting that, but I think giving up the assembling of ourselves is uh, not, is not our call to make. We're compelled mm-hmm. to do that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. that's anyway, that's what, that's what Christians are doing right now around the world. Some of them being burned inside of churches. Like you understand, like that's, that's the call that we have. And it, mm. you know, has nothing to do with, any type of government mandate or just being rebellion, uh, rebellious for rebellion's sake, it is being loyal and faithful to what we know to be true. Yeah. Right. And Amen. so anyway, that's where we, that's where we have to stand. Okay. Amen. So let's make a shift here. Okay. And, uh, and then maybe on the other side of the break, we'll open the phone lines up okay. and uh, get some input from some of our listeners. But I wanted to double back to submission, mm-hmm. and I, I actually wanted to ask you a question, mm-hmm. because when we often think of submission, we think of this burden sort of being on the wife, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But the burden is not exclusively on the wife. That's right. <laughs> because That's right. in the scripture, um, the husband is reminded of his role as the head of the family, right? Yes. He is reminded of the responsibility that he has. And and one of the things that I think that we don't often express openly, and again, we're starting with Ephesians chapter five, mm-hmm. uh, verses 22 through 32, mm-hmm. verses 22 through 32, 33, 33. And she did that with glasses on 33. <laughs> that's a three. Um, but one of the things that we don't often discuss is the incredible weight and responsibility that's on husbands mm-hmm. to lead. And so I wanted to start this conversation by asking you that question, 
what is the thing that when you think about headship and mm-hmm. you think about leading a family and then also um, subsequently being a father, what are the things if you feel if you feel vulnerable enough to share, mm-hmm. um, what are the things that that scare you or that have been sort of very sobering about your role and your position? Well, I think, um, you know, just looking at the scripture, there's a higher responsibility on all husbands. And I think personally, you know, some of my personal flaws would be concerning for me, mm. you know, like how that would um, play into my leadership. You know, um, I we got married. Uh, I was I would consider myself older. I was 28. You yeah, you were old. older than most of my friends when they got married. <laughs> so 28, you yeah. know, so that mean I was living single for all of those years. Mm-hmm. And I also grew up you know, as an only child for eight years. And then my sister was born, (laughs) you know. So I had a lot of like, just me. And um, I would say one of the most concerning things was being able to shift from just me (laughs) to like family, you know, uh, mindset, you know, because Hmm. you can, you develop a selfishness, you know, because it's just you. Mm -hmm. And so, but in leadership of a family, Man, yourself has to be at the bottom, and that's mm. hard. Yeah, and I've missed it many times, you know. And so I, I remember my dad always telling me, he said, "Once you get married, you'll see how selfish you really are." It was facts. <laughs> he was right. <laughs> and then he said, "You know, once you start having children, then you oh, will goodness. really see how selfish you are." Yeah, that's facts. And he was right. Yeah. He was right about that. And so I think one of the most concerning things for me is was myself and my flaws. Mm-hmm. You know, and still, you know, I, I'm still trying to work through uh, those type of things, you know, and because it all lands on me at the end of the day. And if I put myself before making the right decision or put myself before, you know, others in the family, then, you know, I'm judged by God for the outcome like that. That's on me, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that I would say that's one of the, the main things is my myself and my flaws that I bring, that I brought in and, and just hoping that not hoping, but working towards like um, those not being the, the issues that would that would cause you know disruption in the in the family. So, man, that's really good. I want to pick up here on the other side of the break. Uh, this is Aaron, the Addison's the Friday edition on American Family Radio. We will grab the break and uh, and we'll be right back. It's Truth For Youth Week, and whether students are in school, online, or somewhere in between, everybody needs Jesus. Let's get the Word of God to as many students as possible. First time I heard about the Truth For Youth Bible was on American Family Radio. I promised myself that I was going to give it to someone who wasn't following Jesus. The Truth For Youth Bible appeals to students with the entire New Testament and full-color comics which present the gospel and moral truths. I just want to thank you so much because after reading it, I decided to give my heart to the Lord. Revival Fires International will give one Truth For Youth Bible to every student between the ages of 13 and 18 who promises to pass it along to a friend this school year. Visit truthforyouth.com or call 800-733-4737. That's truthforyouth.com or call 800-733-4737. 
4737. The Truth for Youth Bible inspired me and led me to Christ. Hi, this is Steve Tiber with 8 Days of Hope. We've been all over the country helping disaster victims who lose everything. It's truly a blessing. I really don't have the words to express. And yet they see a glimmer of hope when a volunteer shows up. Building the home, that's the second reason we're here. The number one reason is to share the gospel and and give them hope. It's everything that's right in America. I mean, it really represents the, the best that we have to offer. That's one of the main reasons for doing it, is being able to be the hands and feet of Jesus and coming out and working with so many wonderful volunteers. I just feel like it's important in this day and age to teach a child uh, how to serve. Please go to our website, 8daysofhope.com, and click on Get Involved. Submit your email address, and the next time we go anywhere with a disaster, we'll invite you to come along as well. I love coming in the job room because you can see these pieces of paper, they aren't just a piece of paper. Right. It's a family that's hurting, and it's a gospel opportunity. And you know, I just thank God, you know, for this moment. I mean, I'll be back in my home, and I know it's going to be awesome. Come love others with 8 Days of Hope. If you've fallen behind in your credit card payments during the shutdown, you're probably feeling some added pressures. And even a brief history of late payments can lead to a big drop in your credit score. But you don't have to solve these problems alone. Trinity Debt Management can help. We'll work with your creditors, put a stop to late fees and other penalties, and make a plan that helps you get caught up. We'll also consolidate your bills into one easy-to-manage monthly payment and negotiate much lower interest rates. Not only will you find immediate relief, you'll save thousands. And don't worry, it's not a loan. It's a smart way to get back on track. All you have to do is give Trinity a quick call and we'll take care of the rest. Right now, no one really knows what the future will bring, but one thing is for sure. If your debt has you down, we should talk. Here's the number. Call 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. Welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. Um, thank you so much for listening. It's the Friday edition of the Gumbo Show. Everything goes into the pod. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And there's a mission, not a day late. Sherry B is over in Studio CC. As we are about to um, delve into the Word of God, I think it is so fitting for us to remind you that today is the last day for you to get a free Truth For Youth Bible, one Bible per household um, for teenagers between the ages of 13 and 18 with the agreement to give it away. Today is the last day for you to be able to do that. Um, Right now, if you are listening in real time, um, then you can call 800-733-4737. That's 800-733-4737 and request your free student Bible to give away full color comics dealing with some of the issues that are heavy hitting and pressing topics among today's teens. Or you can go online uh, to truthforyouth.com, truthforyouth.com. And if you prefer that option, you can do that anytime. Um, But today is the last day uh, for this promotion. Also, I think it's important, and we'll ask this question of our brother Tim Todd, um, if you are interested in getting a case of Bibles to be able to give away, Mm -hmm. then um, Brother Todd said that you can have those at his cost. That's two 
$12 per Bible for a case of 50 Bibles, I believe. So all of that information I think you can find when you go to truthforyouth.com, truthforyouth.com. Mm-hmm. We're circling back to submission and talking about family structure. Um, and I think we, in order to talk about that, we have to talk about male headship, talk about leadership as the Bible describes husbands being the head of the family. And it's interesting, Will, as, as we were going to the break, mm-hmm. you touched on something and, you know, basically alluding to this struggle with your personal flaws. But I, I think that this, <laughs> I love you. Let me just say that right now. Uh-oh. Okay. No, I just, I just, I just want to say, cause <laughs> start off like that. I almost want to give a disclaimer. Anything <laughs> I might say that would cause you to be upset. Um, I don't think that your personal selfishness as you have come to recognize it mm-hmm. is unique to you. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean when I say, I love you. Like it's like, it's like saying, yeah, yeah, there's selfishness, but you're not the only one. That's not that's not exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. I think it's really interesting if you look at Ephesians chapter five, right? And this is where <laughs> this is where wives bristle. So it says, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, mm-hmm. even as Christ is the head of the church, his mm-hmm. body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Mm-hmm. And then here is what is interesting. And I was thinking about this as you were communicating before we went to the break. The Bible says in verse 25, Ephesians chapter five, verse 25, husbands love your wives mm-hmm. as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Mm-hmm. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that um, that she might be holy and without blemish. And Mm -hmm. I'll pause there for a second, because one of the things I was that is that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, whoa, I don't think it's by accident that the Holy Spirit wanting us to understand what the husband's role is sort of exemplifies this this expression of love mm-hmm. by the giving of Christ. So husbands are compelled to be a part of this kind of giving mm-hmm. that is not even, there's no limit to it. In fact, the height of it is Christ giving himself. Mm. So I was just thinking, and I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I don't, oh, I don't yeah. think that that is something that is like a, a unique struggle to you. No, I <laughs> Excuse agree. me, I, to you. I, I agree with that. You know, um, that's, what we just read was the most selfless act that was ever performed, yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, so that would uh, mean that that would be a challenge for husbands. That selfishness yeah. would be something that they would have to contend with, <laughs> you know, if it's being pointed out that Christ was basically selfless, you know, mm-hmm. and gave himself his very life uh, for, for his, for his bride. Now let me, so, so let's go a step further here. And I mm-hmm. would like to put this in the category to wives. I, we often joke about don't be Brenda. Right. <laughs> and that's funny. Also don't be Bob. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> and that's funny too. Um, but can we go a step further? And I, I would encourage wives when we talk about submission um, to not be a headache. Hmm. You see what I did there? The mm-hmm. husband being the head mm-hmm. of the family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and, and here's why. Let me tell you why I would say to wives not to be a headache when it comes to submission and understanding that submission is not being told. You're, the wife is not the child. Mm-hmm. Right. The wife is not the child. Right. The wife has been brought into a mission. There is a, mm-hmm. there is a man who the Lord has spoken to and he has given a mandate to. That man goes and finds a wife, the Bible tells us, right? Mm-hmm. And so that wife comes along and... 
and and now it's it's not I'm not born into this family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He has chosen. He has elected for me to come alongside him mm-hmm. as he carries out whatever it is that God has given him to carry out. Mm-hmm. But here is something that is interesting. If you back up now, this is you know this is why I say, don't be a headache. Okay, if you back up to Ephesians chapter four. And you look at verses 15 and 16, and I'm going to, it's kind of a, a little bit um, out of context. It, the context, which the context is, is important, it's talking about unity in the body of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. And how Christ himself joins the body together. But here is the point. Christ joins the body together as the head. And this is the same head, the same Greek word that is used over in Ephesians chapter 5, mm-hmm. Okay. But I want this is what I think is so important to pay attention to. And in verse 15, the Bible says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Mm -hmm. Now watch this. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. Now, what's what's my point? Well, let me finish up this verse. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now think about that and compare that to like a marital relationship, right? If I make your job difficult, Mm -hmm. if I'm just like rebelling at every turn, what now I have created is a headache and it actually impedes your ability as the head of the family, right? To keep everything in alignment, to keep everything on track and to keep everything moving so that everything is growing up and everything is functioning the way it's supposed to function. One of the things I often tell wives is that if, if in order for you to submit to your husband, you've got to have this like, Oh, oh, you know, he's going to tell me he's going to, um, man, that's, that's like bare basic. Mm. You know, my thought is how do wives prayerfully anticipate the needs of their husbands? Right? Mm. Like, What is it that your husband needs to continue in his role as the head, number one? Number two, you're not submitting to your husband um, because he told you to do it. Mm -hmm. You are doing it because the Lord told you to do it. Mm. Mm. Now, I want to say something else. Because when Will the Great Great and I first got married, and I think you still do know how to push my buttons, right? Like how (laughs) how to aggravate me. And there was one thing that you would say in particular. You remember in that first year of marriage, I remember being in that one bedroom apartment mm-hmm. on the out, outer skirts of New Orleans. And <laughs> um, I would I would ask you things or uh-huh. I'd remind you of things. And do you remember what your response would be to me? Which response? No, I don't. <laughs> drip. drip. Oh, yeah. Drip. <laughs> drip. Um, yeah, I'm glad you blocked that out because I, you know, I'm still had me therapy for that. No, like I'm still know. working. I'm glad you blocked that out. Yeah, I don't, I don't and, really have to say that. Oh anymore. my goodness, it was <laughs> praise the Lord. Praise been the sanct- Lord. Sanctification. Has That's been right. Ha- the Lord. <laughs> the Lord will holify you in marriage. Okay, you will. You will be holy as the Lord is holy. And so initially, when you would say, <laughs> when you would say that, oh man. It, <laughs> Well, can we just all be family? Like <laughs> I would want to give you ginormous tight hugs and squeezes <laughs> with the focus around like, you know, your neck just right there. Come here. I just wanted to love you. And um oh, but but what I did what I did was um I so desperately 
wanted to be the wife that I read about in scripture. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have a point of reference for this. Right. And I realized that when you and I got married, I wanted you to be like my mom. (laughs) Because remember, I grew up in a fatherless context. So I wanted you to be like my mom. I wanted you to be empathetic like my mom. Mm. I wanted you to act. Now, think about this. And I didn't. This is these are the things that the Lord has revealed to me. Right. I'm holding you to a standard Mm. that you could never meet. Not Mm. because my mom is perfect, not because my mom, but because she's a woman. Right. Right. And and so the function is completely different, and, and, right? And, and I would you know, say the, the 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 blessing in all of that is that I did grow up with my dad. Yes. And so I was able to bring, you know, <laughs> that perspective and say like, "Hold on, this is not how, you know, I yeah. I've seen it." And, and yes. you know, and like a prime example is, uh-huh. you know, things like, well, I'm not sleeping, you know, you need to go sleep on the couch type things. And that, that happens ahead, in a no, lot you, of homes, I, we, right? Is, we, you, can, you, you don't have to talk around it. But, go ahead. And I you was can like, bring no, I never saw that. I'm not yeah. sleeping on uh, so a we, sofa. So we have, a, we have an argument. We have right. a disagreement. And my thought is, again, this is in the first year. And then there's some things that went over to second, third year, up on to 16. <laughs> Let's not even play. Um, because we are being sanctified, Amen. right? We're growing. But... um. We have an argument, and I remember the first big argument, can't tell you what it was about, never can, right? I don't remember. (laughs) But I remember being so angry with Mm -hmm. you that it's like, I am not even sleeping in the same bed with you, not even next to you, not even in the same room. I don't want to hear you breathing. Like, And so my thing was like, well, I guess you need to gather up your pillows and blankets and you need to sleep (laughs) on the couch. Right. In my mind, I'm like, what? (laughs) <laughs> I've and never so seen what did that you tell before. me you were like i've never seen i'm no, not I'm doing that not, no i'm not doing that and you know? i was like but that's what they do on the cosby show <laughs> like that's what they do on every good sitcom the dad is in the doghouse like what do what you i don't i don't have a manual for that i don't know how to deal with if you won't act out what i've seen in the sitcoms because i don't know what it looks like and so i did what any good um spiritually mature wife would do in the situation the husband is refusing to sleep on the couch it's like no we're not going to be divided <clears throat> I slept on the couch because I mean, I was like, I don't know what to do. So that's my default. But here's the point that I'm making. Um, my prayer was that the Lord would show me mm-hmm. how to be the wife that he intended me to be mm-hmm. for you, that he mm-hmm. would show me that. Right. And so what I gradually learned to do in, in desiring to honor the Lord and submit to you, um, I learned to take my concerns mm-hmm. and my needs to the Lord first. Mm. And when I felt like, okay, this is something we have to talk about because the enemy can work it even in the silence, right? Like we think, oh, okay, yeah, I'm just going to talk to the Lord, but really <laughs> you, ha- you have to make sure that that's what you're doing because right. the enemy will magnify things in your head. Yep. I have had, I look back over the years of our marriage and I have had some conversations with you and I knew exactly how those conversations were going to go. So I didn't even need to use words <laughs> all happening in my head. Mm. Right. But then we sit down, we have a conversation and boy, that's not, what you were thinking at all. That's not what you, your intent was, but I will tell you something that is profound. And now, you know, people can believe this if they want, people can believe this if they want. I don't know how people who are married without the spirit of God at work in their lives. I don't know how Mm. they do it, but I have had instances where there was something that I was desperate to have from you. I, I need you to do this. I need you here in this area. I need this to happen. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, Lord, he has the spirit of God. He has the spirit of God. I have the spirit of God. He is the one spirit. 
So Lord, I am taking this to you. I am taking this to you. And I have had moments. There's one I'm thinking of in particular and, and you know, <laughs> where I was like, Lord, I was praying. I was like, Lord, I really would like for Will to do this, but I don't want to ask him to do it. Like, and it was a major shift to your normal every day. So it was going to be a commitment, right? Mm -hmm. This is what I needed you to do. And um, I prayed, I talked to the Lord. I was like, Lord, you know, if, if this is, if this is what you want, then you will show him. If, if I'm being selfish, then you won't show him, but this is what I need. And you come home one day and I remember I'm standing at the stove and, and I'm cooking, right? And you walk over and you said, um, Hey Meek, I've been praying. And you said, um, the Lord has really shown me that I need to shift my schedule around in some areas to accommodate your needs. Oh man. It's like, put the lid on the pot. You don't want extra salt in it. You know what I mean? Like the it's like, Oh Lord. And what that does, what that does is it shows me as a wife that the Lord sees me. He is Amen. El Roy. Mm -hmm. He sees, he mm -hmm. is the God who sees. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I can take my prayer I can take my concerns to him. And here's the thing. I want the family to win. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't want to just be justified in my anger or my frustration. I want the family to win. So I am able to get what I need because my needs are real. They're not manufactured. Mm -hmm. I'm able to get what I need without being a drip. Right. <laughs> without, <laughs> without it being better for you to be on the edge of a roof. Right. I can get what I need. <laughs> Now, again, and I don't think we need to take that to the far extreme where we say we never talk about anything. We have deep conversations about mm -hmm. what we're doing and what our family structure is and how that's going to look. And, and, and with every child, every time we add a child, mm -hmm. the dynamic changes. Yep. <laughs> and can I, just, can I just say something right now? And, and, you know, this might make you uncomfortable for a little bit, but I have to say, and I'm compelled to say this, even when I talk to wives who... You know, sometimes the common phraseology is, well, you know how men are and, you know, and so and and I, I'm like, man, listen, that's not my testimony, because I believe that by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Lord has given you discernment and you show up like I don't I don't have those complaints like it's all on me. I have to do everything like I think you're sensitive. I think you see what's what's going on, what needs to be done. And it makes me feel like I'm on the team that you're the captain of. Mm. But you're also Amen. working, right? Like the, the basketball team captain is not just sitting on the bench, right? So I'm, I'm on the team. You're the captain, but you're putting in the work. And it shows me that you value our family structure, that you value the direction that the Lord is compelling us to go in. Amen. And that makes a huge difference. That makes submission way easier. All right, we'll grab the break. We'll open the phone lines when we come back. Get your take on this. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. Stay close. Enough is enough. While discussing the issue of statues and monuments of historical Confederate figures, CNN commentator Don Lemon has proclaimed on his program that Jesus wasn't perfect. One, how dare you, Mr. Lemon? Two, how would you know? And three, you owe Christians around the globe an apology. OneMillionMoms.com signed the petition to CNN insisting Don Lemon issue an apology to Christians. OneMillionMoms.com 
Hello, I'm Franklin Graham. Right now, our country is in trouble, and people are scared, people are afraid, and we see the violence and the injustices that are taking place. Only God can change this. Uh, this is a problem of the human heart. If you'd like to pray with someone, call us any time of the day or night at 888-388-2683. 888-388-2683. Call that number right now. We've got someone who will pray with you, talk with you, and encourage you. God bless. You know, it's true. Difficult times have a way of focusing us. We have to think about what matters most when it comes to our spending, our health care. No doubt. This is why so many people are joining MediShare right now. MediShare is a trusted way to save up to 50% on your monthly health care costs. More than 400,000 people have already made the switch. It's pretty obvious why, too, especially now during this challenging season with health care costs and out-of-pocket expenses going up. MediShare can save you a lot of money. The typical family saves $500 a month. And MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing ministry that's worked beautifully for 27 years. There are different options to choose from to fit your budget. I'll give you the number here in a second. And if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Maybe now is the perfect time to make the switch and start saving. Here you go. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. What does it take to live an uncommon life? Here's former Super Bowl winning coach Tony Dungy with today's Uncommon Moment. So many people view the Christian walk as a series of do's and don'ts, a list of behaviors to be kept. But Christ came for freedom so we would no longer be slaves to the law, but instead would be redeemed through his death through grace. It seems like such an easy thing. God takes something that seems incomprehensible to our finite minds, our redemption, and makes it accessible to us through Jesus' death on the cross. That in itself should make us take a serious look at the truth embodied in Jesus Christ. It's simple. The truth will set you free. What truth do you know and understand? Tony Dungy, author of the popular Uncommon book series, more at CoachDungy.com. That's CoachDungy.com. Addison's. That's really what's happening on this Friday edition of the Gumbo Show <laughs> on American Family Radio. Yeah. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Marcus Rogers with Great God. Chevy B is over in Studio CC. I'll give the number so we can get the calls queued up. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. And uh, as those calls are getting queued up, Will the Great, I, I wanted to make sure that you had ample time yeah. to respond. No, yeah, yeah, and I think, um, you know, you learn a lot over the, the years, and I think one thing, one important thing that I've learned is that God has placed you in my life to be a help meet, you know, and what that really means, because sometimes as men, <laughs> you can feel like, man, my wife trying to tell me what to do, or she trying, you know, she always has something to say about this or that, you know, I've learned, man, the value of 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 uh, appreciating the discernment that God has given you because it, it helps me to lead effectively. And I think mm. men have to be more humble, man. Like 
man, our wives, a lot of times they're saying certain things and it might, some some of that drip, drip might not really be drip, drip. <laughs> it may be something that you need that to hear <laughs> that is like, man, I need this because this is helping the whole, you know, thing to go the, the, the right way, the whole family, you know. Mm. And so I think uh, learning to to listen and to say like, man, or even if you have a, a big decision or something that you, you feel like I, I need to do this, man, don't, don't just make those decisions all the time. Just, just go, go and do it. Like God has placed your wife there as a help meet, you know, to be able to weigh certain decisions and to help. Now the ultimate decision will lie with you, you know, mm-hmm. but at the same time, get all the good counsel and, and what God has given you, you know, to help you out, man, take that, you know, and yeah. listen. And so that, that's one of those things, you know, and I think another thing is to try to, and I haven't always been the best at, at this, but make sure that as the husband, you're guarding uh, effectively. Mm-hmm. And some of the things that, you know, I feel like we have to guard against is usually other people saying certain things yes. about, you know, personalities That's or why you so don't say hard. this or why, you yeah. know, how come your your husband you know, don't speak as much and use, oh, you know, all those things. And I don't think I, I don't think people uh, a lot of people do it in a malicious way. But I, I think they're generally some people are generally uh, curious and like, man, I don't understand, you know. But, man, I don't think they understand the arrows that that can be, you know, yeah. to to a marriage, you know, based upon personality or you, you feel like it should look this way. You know, you're the first you were the first man that I have ever met or um, ever been in, in close proximity to that is I'm absolutely certain is not threatened by me, does mm-hmm. not feel like he needs to constantly put me in my place, sees the value of the gifts that I have. And that Amen. has done incredible work in my life to be able to use those gifts for the glory of God. And, um, you know, one of the things I think in a marital relationship is that there must be mutual value for mm-hmm. each other's gifts. You know, That's that right. we are not right. trying to make the other person like us, but we value who that person is, understanding that God and in his infinite wisdom mm-hmm. put those two people together so that their family would not lack. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if yeah. if you and I were 100 percent like one another, <laughs> our right. family would lack. Yeah. Like, I mean, and, and, we, and, and that's the thing. I, I think people, you know, have to understand even with the body of Christ, Paul wrote a whole portion about this through the spirit, you know, about the body being different parts. Yeah. You know, but it's one body, you know, so the, the, you know, the foot can't say it to the hand that I have no need of you. Like all those things, you know, and I think we get that kind of stuff wrong within the body of Christ. And then even in our marriages, when we have, you know, uh, certain certain things that we feel like, oh, men do this or women Mm -hmm. supposed to do, you know, uh, and I'm talking about speaking and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, I, I feel like sometimes we get that wrong because God has given certain giftings, you know, to different people, you know, and, and I, and I, I, I think that. We have to realize that sometimes we have to uh, not speak so quickly and say, yeah. you know, um, well, what about this? Because you could be shooting arrows into people's marriage that you're not That's trying right. to do on purpose, yeah. you know, but it can come off that way. So you just have to be careful about that. You know, and one of the things that I know we're going to go to the phone lines here, mm-hmm. I will add one additional thing to that. We need to take the sanctity of marriage seriously. And here's what I mean. I think that for wives and husbands What we need to normalize in our communication is this particular saying or phrase over and over and over again, man, I could not be married to anyone else. 
I oh, could not man. be married to anyone else. And why am I saying that? Because what is the rival of that that people often give into is if you were more like that person. Mm. Oh, if you could just do that. And I think that is one of those subtle destroyers of marriages where mm. you start to look. And, and then really the question of God's sovereignty. Did God really put us together? Is this the Lord's plan for our life? Well, that's why you pray long and hard before you make the decision. You yeah. continue prayer yeah. all throughout, but you yeah. pray long and hard yeah. before you make the decision. And then after that, what needs to be normalized in the marital context is, boy, I could never be married to anyone else. Like yeah. I, I know that this this is the person that like, we complement each other in ways that I can't even express. And so that we celebrate and protect the differences. And I'm not just talking about the big cultural differences that we have to make sure people understand, but even the small details of who we are and the way God has designed us so that our children benefit, mm. our children benefit from those differences. All right. Well, the great, where do we go first? Let's go. Hold on. Let's go to Jerry in Tennessee. Hi, Jerry. Hello, Will and Meek. Hey. Man. Is this, is this our Jerry? Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jerry. I, I, I was, I was just taking notes down. Your stuff today is otherworldly. It is fantastic. Y'all need to, you guys need to do a conference on this. You have so much wisdom to share. So are you there? Yeah, we're Yeah, here. no, God bless you. I, I was just, I'm so good at cutting people off. I'm just listening, Jerry. Thank you. Thank you. you oh, I, I'm telling you, I, I've never heard other people say some of the things you guys are saying right now. It's just fantastic. Oh, praise God. Uh, but I'm sorry, I'm supposed to be going fast here. Miki, you said yesterday that evil seemed to be 10 steps ahead of us, and we're always playing catch-up as Christians. And you mm. that really resonated with me. Mm. As that relates to persecution, it seems like there are things we know that are coming that we need to be preparing for. I'll just give you a couple. Our Bible's being confiscated and replaced with some state-approved critical theory version, for example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um our brothers and sisters in Christ losing jobs and homes and needing mm-hmm. places to stay. Yeah. And maybe our public, our churches being locked up or guarded by police, and we need a, an underground church network or something. Yeah. So we know that stuff's coming. <laughs> but my question to you guys is, mm-hmm. do you know of anyone, anybody who is wargaming this out and mm. saying, okay, here's how, we, here's how we get ready for them mm. to take our Bibles away? Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. here's how we get ready for some people losing, you know, we're going to get rooms ready for our brothers and sisters in Christ to come and live with us. I'm just curious, are y'all hearing about anybody preparing for that? Mm. Well, waiting. That's amazing. Thank Thank you you so much for that, Jerry. Will, did you want to respond to that? These are the kinds of conversations that we're having in our local fellowship actually right now. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. We, we talked about just seeing what's, what's happening and how can we make sure that our, um, our fellowship is taken care of practically, you know, with mm-hmm. practical needs and things that, you know, I, I think that's a very real conversation, you know, that, that that needs to be had by the church. You know, yes. just looking at the landscape of what's going on. Let us not be naive and, and, and say, as other countries have, have said, in the past, oh, that's, that won't happen here. You know, that one kind of, of the, stuff won't happen here. You know, one of the things that our teaching pastor, who happens to be Abraham Hamilton, the third, um, has been saying for a very long time is that sort of the starting point for mm-hmm. all of this is that we know each other. Mm-hmm. So our fellowship enjoys fellowship meals together on the regular. That is a part 
of our fellowship. That is a part of our coming together. And so that we know each other. It's it's not a thing That's of so like, important. oh, sister so and so lost her job because she refused to use a person's designated pronouns. And now their family, you know, they've gone through all their savings and we don't know where they're going to live. And then they feel awkward because they don't know anybody. I only come here for an hour every Sunday. I don't really know. Well, let that not be so. So we are actively building relationships where mm-hmm. we resemble and 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 I know it's not all about feelings, but where we feel like we're the body of Christ, where it wouldn't be strange for me to go to another brother or sister and say, I have a need. Yeah. And to be able to communicate that need. So I think that's one practical step. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's and that's so important because a lot of times you can go to a church or be a part of a fellowship where you never really talk to the other people who yeah. you are in church with. And that's and I, I think to to build a type of relationship, you know, with other brothers and sisters in Christ when hard times come, because mm-hmm. we're going to need each other. You that's know, right. we're going to need each other. I think that's another right. big thing, man, is that every family should be having a plan to get out of debt. If you That's are right. in any type of debt, you know, you should be working hard to try to eradicate that like debt that would be mm-hmm. gone, you know, yep. that, that you wouldn't owe any man anything, you know. That's right. Stop um, keeping yeah. up with. I hate to come down on the Joneses because they're such a good family. <laughs> Stop keeping up with the Joneses. Live simply. I was I was talking to a sister. Um, I guess this has been a couple months ago. But one of the things that we say in our family is that if we don't have it, we don't need it. Mm-hmm. If we don't have it. We don't need it. We throw out the word need for so much. And it's just because, you know, we feel like having a lot is synonymous with, oh, that's that's the American need. You know, I think Mm. I think you're onto something. And I think that we need to start practicing for that right now so that if if for no other reason, I mean, there are other reasons, but so that we have something that we can share with those who would find themselves in positions where and not that we're trying to um, underwrite irresponsibility. Mm-hmm. But there are legitimate hard times that people fall on right. where the body of Christ is supposed to be able to spring into action. So, yeah. Will the Great, where do we go next? All right, let's go to Paul in Texas. Hi, Paul. Hey, how are you doing today? Doing uh, good. Hello. Thanks. Thanks for everything you do. I uh, love my extended family, you guys. Oh, <laughs> God bless hey, you. Hey, uh, you know, um, I, I got a couple things, uh, and uh, it's really interesting. Uh, <clears throat> It's a little difficult for me to talk. I'm not used to talking on radio, but uh, um, so uh, I had a huge blessing today, and God keeps blessing me. Um, what I have to say is, uh, I was reading in Jeremiah, you know, and I and I started wondering why is God constantly talking about small g gods, small g g gods that they don't exist. I apologize, I don't remember the verse and all that, but it's at the it's on, on the right hand page, uh, left left hand side at the top <laughs> of the page, and. and, and <laughs> I remember where it's at, and 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 God says, uh, you know, I'm t- uh, putting it in my own words, is that is that these small g gods don't even exist. See, so so I want to point something out. I want to point something out. In in science, they 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 measure distance by speed and time. So if there's no object to travel, there's no speed, and then there's obviously no distance but when god created things everything in this universe minerals chemicals plants trees everything he created time at that moment because now he has objects that travel and and are distances apart he created time at that moment 
so then how does God know all about time? Be- he created all of time at one moment. And so that's why he knows everything. He knows the beginning of time and the end of time and mm-hmm. even beyond that when only he existed. Is this making sense to you? Um, a little bit. I do want to make one recommendation. I'm not, I'm not putting it all together, and I promise I do put on my thinking cap before we start the program. But I do want to say there's one thing that I was thinking uh, to our brother Paul that I would recommend not only for, um, for him but for all of our listeners. Um, Michael Heiser has a book, The Unseen Realm, when you're mm. talking about um, you know, these lowercase g gods, and he makes a, a case, a strong case, for this unseen realm of... Um, uh, spiritual entities, if you mm-hmm. will, who are at work in the earth. So I don't know if that's helpful, but um, maybe it will be. All right. Will the Great, where do we go next? Let's go to Joseph in Georgia. Hi, Joseph. Hi, Will Mickey. It's the first time. It's an honor and a privilege to be on the radio with you guys. Oh, thank God you. God bless you. Yeah, I was just wanting to elaborate a little bit more, if I may, um, with you talking about the spirit of God working through your marriage and you know, how you feel like that has created a um, a stronger dynamic between you two mm-hmm. as opposed to not having that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, go, go ahead. right ahead. Go ahead. Oh, um, well, would you say that um, if you have a lack of that in your marriage that you're going to eventually, you know, separate? Hmm. Well, I would say this. It makes it more difficult, but marriage also, I would say, fall under, under the category of a, a, common, a grace. common grace. Like, there are yeah. heathens who get married who do not fear God. Who don't get divorced. <laughs> and they don't divorce. Right. So I would say that, yes, it is more difficult. But remember, the Holy Spirit is our advantage. Amen. Right? Like, the, the Lord has set us up to win. And so I think, no, it's not an excuse to say, well, we don't have the Holy Spirit present, so we may as well just give it up. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, I think what we do is if we have a spouse who is unsaved, then we pray for that spouse Amen. to be redeemed. And the Bible compels wives to live such exemplary lives that their spouse is one to the Lord. And I would say the same applies even for the husband. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I wish I could go in on that a little longer. We're <laughs> out of time. Until Monday, Lord willing. God bless.